0: Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. You ever seen those time lapse things where a flower be in a bud and then it spreads out and opens up? That's what's happening to me. (laughs) Sorry. You're going to have to endure it. 18 to 21, do not get drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks in all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your blessed bride, the church. We are the called out ones. Help us, Father, to act like it and to walk like it and to walk worthy of this precious calling. We love you, Lord we thank you in Christ's precious name. Amen. Now pick us up from where we were last week in a quick review. First three chapters showed what each Christian is. um, A high performance machine. And then uh, he prays for us beginning in verse 17 of chapter 1 that we could hear this and start grasping this. And then at the end of chapter 3, after explaining to us what this high-performance machine is, he uh, tells us in verses 13 to 21, turn the key on, silly. And you, can, uh, you can have the fastest, most powerful machine ever, but if you don't turn it on, it doesn't really work. Then in the beginning of chapter 4, up to where we are right now, he shows us the path. We have a course that is set before us. To walk worthy and what does that look like? Okay. But now here in verses 18 to 21, he explains to us the fuel that we need. You can't uh you can't run a high performance machine on 88 octane. You you need it to get after it if you want it to perform and that's what we're looking at beginning here in verse 18 and uh, he starts it off with a command I mean it's kind of weird because the way he's phrased the command is in a contrast in a contrast don't be drunk be filled with the spirit but it's still written in a command form. So the contrast is a command. You go through some of this stuff, and it's uh, if it wasn't so serious, it's comical. I see some teaching on this that it is a sin to drink. That's not exactly what this text says. And then they'll say, well, they, they drank in the Bible. I mean, the Lord's table, they took of the wine. We just celebrated that. But then you'll have them throw it out that, well, you don't want to offend a brother. And you don't want to cause a weaker brother to stumble. Okay? So it's it goes from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. And we'll deal with it over time. That won't be resolved today. But when I look at the context and know that it's a contrast, one very easy, one very clear way to act as a fool is to get drunk. If you've ever been around drunks, It isn't deep theology to say, that right there is foolish. And uh, the only way to be around a drunk that is tolerable is to be drunk yourself. And then you can kind of handle them. If you think about it, drunkenness is the complete opposite of wisdom. Although drunks do believe they're extremely wise. But if you spend a couple of minutes with them, you realize, no, you've got a Ph.D. in foolishness. Okay? So remember, verse 15, he tells us, don't be a fool, but be wise. Verse 17, he says, don't be stupid, do God's will. Verse 18, is basically saying the same thing. Don't be drunk. So the biggest fool that there can be is a drunk. The wisest is one who is filled with the Spirit. Very simple, very easy. The one who is filled with the Spirit is one who is doing the will of God. That is wise. See, that wisdom is filled with the will of God. Drunks, not so much. Okay, that's uh, how we kind of compare the fool to the wise. Paul understood really simply that this is a drunken world. Think about who he's writing to. Ephesus. What was the big temple that was in Ephesus? Bacchus. Bacchus. The wine god. Okay? In 1995, I checked some paper on it, one out of ten Americans was an alcoholic. Okay? I doubt that that number has gone down. Just an idea. They said that they're close, in 1995, that close to 30 million teenagers were alcoholics. Now, I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, but don't you have to be 21? Okay. What is always amazing to me is that ads for alcohol, have you ever noticed? It's always very distinguished people. You ever seen that? It's just, they have their suit and they'll have a scotch on the rocks. And that's a lie. It is a major problem. I think if I look at verse 18 in a general sense, I kind of can figure it out. If you are looking for joy in your life, you escape your problems and you have comfort and joy in intoxication. Or at least you think you do until the morning. I remember a friend who boasts that she is an alcoholic. She's proud of it. And I was sort of stunned. I mean, I always, you knew it. (laughs) I mean, her drinking patterns were such that that's the way it was. But she says that if she's an alcoholic and she drinks every day, she never has to deal with a hangover. And I'm like, "That, that there's just rocket science now but in our society today I remember uh, a few years ago the pastors called an emergency meeting here in Castle Rock on um, what do we do with members who are smoking pot now that it's legal and I listened to theirs. We were, they were wanting to have a retreat and, and we were all going to sit around and I don't know what we're going to do. And I listened to their, their uh, waxing and waning. So it went on for about 40 minutes. So I decided that it was my turn. So I raised my little hand and I said, how many of you guys have ever smoked pot? None of them. And so you're going to deal with pot smoking. And I said, well, I'm not in your club. I have smoked a little bit in my day. Actually, quite a bit, actually. And I said, it does have one redeeming quality. What is that? I said, It makes Doritos taste like gourmet food. (laughs) Well, you know, God created it and it grows wild and it does this. And I was like, you're a fool. There's a term in the uh, Greek New Testament that's called pharmakeo. It's where we get pharmaceutical from. Do you know how it is translated into English? Sorcery. Do you know how many sorcerers go to heaven? There's no room for that. It's intoxication. So along with alcohol, we have bottles of booze, we have bongs, we have joints, we have pills, we have lines, and it's all doing the same thing. And the Apostle Paul is telling us, no, don't do anything that intoxicates you. You are to what? Seek the Holy Spirit. Let Him be your resource. Do you remember the prayer in 3, verse 16? You are to strengthen the inner man with a bong. No. You strengthen the inner man with what? The spirit of the living God. You don't need to be intoxicated. All these people who are seeking joy. And listen. (laughs) I've been around a day or two. And what I've learned is nobody... Not one individual wants to be miserable all the time. It's an amazing thing. We are all unified, and I don't want to be miserable. People want to be happy, right? And you know what? I've learned in the Bible, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good idea. God is not against you and me being happy. God is not sitting in heaven being a big meanie. Don't laugh. I don't want you to laugh. What's the matter to you? You are my child. Be miserable. No. He wants us blessed and he wants us happy. Ecclesiastes we all know the vanity, vanity, all is vanity. But it also says there is a time to laugh. God wants us to know joy. Jesus said, I want you to know joy abundantly. First John chapter one, verse four. I write these things that your misery will be full. No, that your joy might be full. The Apostle Paul says, Rejoice. Again, I say, Rejoice. The psalmist says, We are to shout for joy. psalmist says, We are the fullness of joy. Do you remember this at some guy's birthday? Good tidings and great joy I bring you. God wants us happy. God wants us joyful. Okay? But, He wants us to find our resource for joy in the right place, not in artificial. In our society, our whole society wants to be happy. But their circumstances... Make them miserable. So, what do they do? They alter their mind. If I alter it enough, I can ignore my circumstances, I can use drugs, I can use booze. By the way, booze is a drug. And I remember, years and years ago, before Christ in my life, the drugs that I was doing, did it answer all of my questions? Nope. (laughs) Didn't even close. Made them more foggy. Made it hard to articulate, what is the question? but I don't have to ask them because if you're doing intoxication, that is an escape that the world says will give you joy. But if you're really honest with it, it doesn't change anything. The world is seeking joy and happiness. But It's in a very artificial way. Knowing that the world lays in the lap of Satan, I can also say emphatically, it's a very deceptive way. People want comfort. Why? I hate to say this. Even Christians have problems. And even Christians try to escape their problems. How do they do it? Well, the Apostle Paul asked that question indirectly. Who is the comforter? Who will carry you through everything? Holy Spirit. If you want comfort, if you want joy, happiness then find it where it really exists it does not exist in bottles it does not exist in pipes or joints or lines and truth of the matter is the things of this world never does anything for the problem actually it makes it worse Okay, I knew a guy one time had a wife that looks like she'd stepped out of a magazine two beautiful kids was making some insane amount of money trading stocks and to use my vernacular he was busy packing his nose and that drug is probably the most expensive thing you could do and the next thing you knew He was living on the streets, his wife left him, and his kids didn't want anything to do with him. That worked out well, didn't it? I remember reading If I cast all of my cares on him, for he cares for me. Intoxication is not a cure. Intoxication does not fix the worries of life. Intoxication only adds problems and it will, it's really cool because it can magnify the ones you got. Now then, I'm going to be very blunt about this and I will argue with anybody about it for as long as you want to. Because I hate to break the news to it, you may not know this, but I had problems with this. With all of it. With the bottle, the joint, the bong, the pipe, the lines, every bit of it. What can I say? This is not a disease. It is sin. And it will destroy you. You do not master it. You cannot master it. Your body will succumb to it. And if you really want me to be blunt about it, it is depravity manifesting itself. It needs to be confessed, and it needs to be dealt with as a sin. I had an issue with cocaine. Was probably my weakest. And I knew that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you probably should not do the both. <laughs> you just couldn't walk that one. But I also knew I couldn't do it. So I got on my knees and I begged him. Take this away from me. Take this away from me. And he reminded me in a very loving and compassionate way that if I did cocaine again, he would take me home and he would embarrass me in the process. Guess what? That desire has never crossed my mind ever again. Okay. And people say, Well, you just can't Oh yeah, you can. <laughs> Trust me, you can. If you want joy and unexpressible joy full of glory and comfort beyond what the world can dream of, then there's only one way, and that is to be filled with the Spirit. Don't seek for your answers in a bottle, a bowl, a line, or anything like that. It will only make it more complicated, and it will kill you. I have buried I was trying to think about this how many people I think nine nine friends of mine, some alcohol. The Bible speaks of drunkenness. Actually, quite frequently, I was kind of surprised. And what I realized that in the Bible, drunkenness always comes out bad. I guess that's kind of an understatement for me. It's a disaster. And there was nothing ever good in it. And uh, (laughs) it never solved a problem. Noah you know I always used to think Noah you know after spending that much time cooped up in that boat with all them animals and your kids and all the rest of it why he deserved to get a good buzz on you know he he did and you know what he did he took his clothes off and run around butt naked acting wise he was shameless lot He did good with booze, didn't he? He got lit up, and his daughters committed incest with him. Nabob was needed desperately for the battle, and he got drunk, and you know what happened? God took his life. Ava got drunk and was murdered by Zimri. Then Adam gathered all of his allies together and got lit up to celebrate. And they were all slaughtered but him, and he became a prisoner. Balthazar Persian king, had a big party. Huge party. Everybody got hammered. And that night... His kingdom was ripped away from him. You just celebrated the Lord's table. That was expressed to a people in uh, Corinth. They were getting hammered at the Lord's table. You know, I've done some crazy things in my day. I ain't never done that. And I think that there's enough sense in me to say, I don't even think that's a good plan. And you know what happened? Some of them died. Some of them were sick. It's one of the perplexities I had with the church in Russia. Alcoholism, the average life expectancy of a Russian man is uh, about 48. And that's alcoholism. And so the church is... No. You're like, wow, cool. And, but at the Lord's table, guess what? They serve wine. <laughs> Freaked me out the first time I drank it. I was like, whoa, man, that's not Welch's. <laughs> In the Bible, drunkenness has no profit. One of the things that I know emphatically about people who, uh, drink, snort, smoke, whatever, is that they have uncontrolled living. It leads to immorality. It leads to recklessness. And if you don't believe me, look around. People become out of control. Paul told Timothy, an elder must not. I like the the King James translation of this because it's kind of like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> an elder must not linger long by his wine. And I thought, wow, there you go, put that lingering thing. Peter understood this. Chapter four, first Peter. One to four, therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same purpose. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Interesting, isn't it? So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already passed. And it's sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentile, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. All of this, they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same excesses of dispensation and malign you. But they will give an account to him. Peter's telling them, you used to be like this. And you know what? It all goes together. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. This is an interesting text. I've watched people try to do some really weird stuff with it, but I don't think it's that difficult to understand. I understand that the church in Corinth was a catastrophe. Okay? Verse 11 says, But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother. Got that? He's specific. If he is an immoral person makes sense covetous an idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or a swindler not even to eat with such a one seems pretty straightforward to me if it's a so called brother and they act like the world what? what? Don't associate. Don't even eat with them. So my astute conclusion is: the church should be full of ex-drunkards. <laughs> you can make the statement: if still a drunkard, they're not a Christian. Seems harsh, doesn't it? If you became a Christian and it did not have an effect on your uh, party, partying lifestyle, then who's wrong? The Bible or you? Christ changes the nature. And if it hasn't changed the nature, then what? Well, but you know, God knows the heart. That was that statement that I just shared with you at the Lord's table. Examine yourself. If the nature has not changed from The lost. What do you think? If you have a problem, I already shared with you that God can deliver it. I would have been classified as a uh, drunkard. I don't know, two or three DUIs. I think it puts me right in there pretty good. God changed it. If you are really filled with the Spirit, then you will have a joy that will co- bring you comfort. It will bring you solutions to what we seek. If you prefer the things of the world and the actions of the world, And I would go back to examine yourself. It isn't a matter of how many verses of the Bible have you memorized. It is a matter that your scarlet sins have been washed whiter than snow. So you should be moved away from it. So as you can tell... This section is going to get a little deep. I don't. I watch people squirm with it. I haven't dealt with it yet, whether a Christian drinks or don't drink or anything like that. That text right there says drunkard. I look at the rest of it and the stuff that we do today in the name of recreation and say, there ain't nothing recreational about that. I've seen a lot of people who had a lot of things going for them and they lost it all because things of this world, they became their idols. So when I tell people that being drunk or high or whatever is nothing but an idol, I'll let you go see what the Bible says about idolatry and see what you come up with. Okay. You are a new creation in Christ. You've been bought by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You just celebrated it with the Lord's table. Very simple, very easy. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. But Father, I thank you for your supernatural miracle of regeneration Father I understand that it takes the refiner's fire sometimes but I also know that my sin was as scarlet and you have made me white as snow Father that's not just for me that's by those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so help us As Paul has already told us, let us walk worthy of this precious calling. In Christ's name, amen.